This Week in South Baltimore. Brought to you by SouthBmore.com. All right, welcome back, everybody, to This Week in South Baltimore. This is episode 10, and today Kevin and I are very excited to bring a special guest, Dave Rather from Mother's Bar and Grill here in Federal Hill, and uh, also owner of uh, several other locations as well. But Dave's got some awesome stories to tell, how he started the business, uh, and also going to talk about you know what how things have been going through COVID and uh, you know everything that's going on with our, our business community right now. So, so here's our interview with Dave Rather, interviewed by Kevin Lynch. Hey, Dave. Thanks so much for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me on. And uh, we're excited to have Dave on. Obviously, uh, Mother's Federal Hill Grill is an institution in Federal Hill. Been there a, a long time. So I know Dave can uh, give us a great perspective on the state of restaurants in the city. But he also has uh, another location in Timonium and a location in Arnold slash Verna Park. So he can kind of give us some good perspective on how the different counties are handling things and how things are going and uh, kind of let us know how you can kind of boost up the hospitality industry, which really needs our help. So uh, Dave, before we get started, uh, tell us a little bit about the uh, the history of Mothers. We're in our 24th year now, so it's been it's been a long run. Uh, how Mothers got started is um, I was working up at uh, Empty Pockets on Fort Avenue, which is now Eileen Gunther's. So, um, you know, I was learning how to kind of run a restaurant. I, I felt like I wanted to... Uh, that that was my calling and, and, you know, that, that was something I should look into doing for a career. And I'd always been an entrepreneur and, you know, ran a paper route when I was little. I know uh, today's millennials probably don't know what that is, but, uh, you know, I used to deliver papers before uh, high school in the morning, used to mow lawns and shovel driveways and things like that. Um, and then when I was, uh, you know, out of college, I, I, you know, fell in love with New Orleans and I started taking people down to Jazz Fest and uh, I took about 100 people down to Jazz Fest and I'd bring bands up from New Orleans for New Year's Eve parties at like the Museum of Industry. And that all went pretty well. And people started asking me, you know, where can we go every day to to see your place? And, you know, my, my uh, group was called Mom's Travel Club. And um, you know, so I'm like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. I should look to do something every day. And about the same time, my brother was uh, moving back from the Virgin Islands and had learned to become a good chef. So I had him work at Empty Pockets. And um, one of our regulars one day had told me that uh, Muley's um, Bakery Diner was uh, coming back on the market. So I talked to Mr. Muley. He gave a, you know, 29-year-old kid uh, an opportunity to take over the place. I got a liquor license for it and then tried to just pull together whatever money I, I could to, to finance, you know, the build-out. And, uh, you know, my, my general contractor filed bankruptcy in the middle of the job. He had some of my equipment. He wasn't letting it go. I had to kind of hire and piecemeal people to get it finished. and. Um, you know, it was, it was a struggle. I didn't have any money and didn't really have a way to, to get a, a good loan at that point. So, um, I was able to pull it together and, you know, and, and get it open. And, you know, we, we had lines from the first day and, you know, we're packed right away. It, um, it went, it went pretty well. And 
we were able to expand within the first five years and won a bunch of awards and, you know, things, things went really well. And, uh, we did a big expansion into the back alley and created a second kitchen about 10 years in. And, um, about, uh, eight years ago, we opened our second location with, uh, Mark Boyd as a partner, rest in peace. And, um, you know, that's, you know, that's been a good location for us. You know, it's a whole different, uh, demographic, more families, you know, a little older clientele. And so that's, that's been doing pretty well. And then we opened a a third location in Timonium before year, five years next month. And, um, that's been, you know, really good for us. Um, we do a lot of food business up there, not as much bar business as we like, but, um, it was doing really well right before the pandemic. And, uh, you know, we cut, cut, closed all of our locations for six weeks at the beginning of the pandemic. So that, so that was difficult, but it's been a great run. Um, you know, more successful than I ever thought. Um, it's, you know, it's a lot of hard work. It's seven days a week, but I kind of alluded to, uh, kind of staying on a elephant that's, uh, you know, rumbling through the jungle. You kind of just hoping to stay on for the ride. Awesome. And uh, tell us about the name mothers. How'd you come up with that? Well, there's a party in new Orleans during Mardi Gras and, um, it's on Saturday night of Mardi Gras weekend. So it would have been this past Saturday called mom's ball. And it's a real decadent party thrown by this loose crew of, uh, like bikers and partiers and the radiators, you know, the, 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 you know, famous band from New Orleans were in the crew and they played it every year. And one of my friends, uh, Dave Geller was a a huge radiators fan and he had to know somebody in the crew to get tickets. And it was uh, mandatory costumes. If you didn't wear a costume, you weren't allowed in. A lot of guys were in drag. Like some of these bikers are in drag. Um, This, uh, the, the theme that year was it ain't easy being this sleazy. And it was just this the craziest, best party I've ever been to. And I said, I got to bring some of this back to mothers. And like my nickname in college was um, mother because I kind of, you know, planned parties and got people together and, and was kind of the, the guy that, that would put the word out to everybody and get everybody to go to the same location. So kind of between those things that, you know, I came up with mothers and it just stuck. Yeah, I actually, one of my best friends lives in New Orleans and they are renovating a house right now and build an entire room just for their costumes. So I know, uh, know how big the, uh, the theme parties are down that way. They take their costumes real serious. Real serious. <laughs> in that, yeah. He's a, he's a manly guy and I've seen him, uh, in a, uh, race down the street in a red dress. So it's definitely a, an area that can convince people to do a, a lot of things. Yeah. Awesome. And what was, um, what was Federal Hill like 24 years ago? Obviously, it's a lot different place now. So tell us what it was like, and was it a big risk uh, taking a, a big investment on Federal Hill back then? Well, you know, when, when you don't have anything, you're not risking much. But, um, it, you know, it was a lot different. There was only a few places, and the main hub was Cross Street Market. And so every Friday night for happy hour from about 6 till 10, the place was packed. And if you you know, typically there was a line of about 50 people trying to get in and, you know, between like six and seven, and then it would slow down a little bit, but at 10, they literally would scream at you to leave. And so then we had to figure out where we're going to go next. 
So really the only places to go were like Tio's, um, which is Tio Locos, which is now the Abbey Burger, and um, Turner's, which is the Crossbar. And they, they were these single townhouse, small little bars. And so, I mean, literally so many people you could barely squeeze through to get to the bathroom. And I'm like, man, we, we need another bar here. And about that same time, Rope Walk was getting started. And Boomerang, which is uh, the Charles, was um, was under construction. And, you know, I was lucky enough. You know, I had been looking in Kissling. I've been looking over in near Kisslings and Fells Point and in Canton and, and kind of all over the city for a location. But when I found the, the, um, the old Muley's location, um, I knew that was home and I was lucky enough to get that and, and, you know, pull it, pull it all together to, to open it as mothers. Well, very cool. Here's a story for you. I will be turning 40 years old this May and I was living in South Baltimore when I was 20 years old. And after midnight, the, Day I turned twenty one, I came into Mother's and sat at the bar and, right. and had a beer. My first, uh, my first beer at at a bar. So I, uh, the first ten minutes I was twenty one awesome. years old. I was in your bar. We appreciate that. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I guess I've been going to uh, Mother's for uh, eighteen plus years at this point. So yeah, obviously, uh, obviously Federal Hills uh, seen a lot of uh, new places. I assume uh, McGurk's probably joined the joined the forces down there a little bit after that as well. I think like five years after we opened, I can remember Paul, you know, um, why he was building and under construction stuff and he was drinking at mother's and yeah, you know, it's come a long way. I mean, now there's like over 20 locations and it's really, you know, there's a lot more competition. And so it's, it's made it harder, but you know, we've been able to withstand and our, you know, I think our food business is what carries us through. Awesome. And obviously you guys are a big sports bar, you big, uh, big Orioles and Ravens place. I know you guys support some of the, uh, Louisiana teams and, and get some other fan clubs in there. So just tell us, uh, talk about the experience of the two, uh, Super Bowls, the Ravens won and, uh, how much fun and how much business came through for those. When we were building, the Ravens were at uh, Memorial stadium. So the first year we opened was their first year at M&T, which was, I think, called PSI Net at that time. Um, so, you know, I was looking for something to do, and we, you know, we started thinking about the, the parking lot, and we came up to, with the name Purple Patio. We opened it, and it, it did okay. But the year we were going to the Super Bowl, we started to get a hard time from the city about the, the parking lot. And the mayor at the time was Martin O'Malley. And he said, listen, you know, my, my uh, court case was going to come up the week of the Super Bowl. And he didn't want any bad press. So he said, we'll postpone that and then we'll deal with it after the Super Bowl. And we'll make sure the purple patio doesn't go away. So that was really cool. I actually saw him at the uh, Super Bowl party, you know, when we won it. And he had, he had quite a few Guinness by then. So, um, you know, we, you know, it's been a great thing. It's, it's again, take on a life of its own. You know, a bunch of players come by after the games. Um, it's, you know, it's been a lot of fun, you know, when, when, when you're going to a Super Bowl and you have a strong team, like we did with a bunch of future hall of famers, um, you can feel the buzz, you know, coming and, and, you know, it was, it was one of those years where, you know, we, we didn't have, um, the best team. In fact, we went like three or four weeks without scoring a touchdown that year, but then we got hot towards the end of the year. And as a wild card, you know, going into the playoffs um, 
And, you know, I can remember one of the old coaches coming in saying, you know, we have as good a chance as anybody to go. We're getting hot at the right time. And we uh, were able, you know, to go to the – win all the playoff games, go to the Super Bowl. I mean, you know, that whole time is so magical and everybody's just, you know, excited and everybody's, you know, working together towards the same thing. Like, you know, all walks of life, you know, all, um, you know – different people, all demographics are all rooting for the, for the, the Ravens. So that, that whole, during the week we were slammed, you know, and, and, and busy leading up to the, the weekend. And obviously the night before the games are all huge, but you know, the Super Bowl is so, um, you know, so big people were flying in from all over the country to watch it at mothers. And we, you know, we were, we uh, tented the parking lot and had a huge party out there and, Typically, the city and the fire marshal is real on top of capacities, so we kind of have to limit the, the capacity those, those days. But uh, you know, everyone's just so fired up. I can remember at the end of the at the end of the um, game after we won, people are dancing on the bar and you know, squirting beer everywhere and you know, just going crazy. Luckily enough, I was at the game, so. Uh, I wasn't there to to experience it, but I'm getting videos and stuff from home, and obviously communicating with everybody at home. Um, so you know that was awesome, and just something we'll never forget. And you know, round two was was real unique as well, and we were getting a lot of international coverage. I can remember, you know, um, newspapers and TV stations from England coming in to interview us, and you know, at that time. Um, we were, you know, it was real hot and we were slammed for every game. And, and so Lickerboard said, Hey, you know, we're going to have to, you know, keep everybody at, at a tight capacity and we're going to be out in force again. So what I did was just, I sold tickets to get in to all of our regulars. So that way people that had been there all year could come and, 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 you know, pay like 10 bucks in advance because we knew we were going to just be able to have a smaller crowd. I wanted to make sure it was all people that we, we knew and loved and, you know, supported mothers all year long. So we sold out a couple days before the game. And um, again, we were full everywhere and just the vibe um, was amazing. And I'm sure you've seen some of the pictures out front on Charles street after the game. I mean, there's probably what, 10, 15,000 people out there. I mean, just the, the photos and I have a big, uh, a big, you know, picture of it on the, uh, on my wall from, from that night. And it was just insane. It was, it was crazy. I mean, um, I guess people were coming from all over to, to, to hang out and celebrate out in front. And it's just, it was, you know, we have some great photos, but it's just something I'll never forget. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. That was, that was a lot of fun. There was a lot of love out in those streets. There was nothing, nothing tense about it. And it was the third straight week it happened. Cause I remember I was out of town for the Denver game and I saw people were, parting in the streets and then obviously after beating the Patriots it, it happened again and then yeah those those pictures from the Super Bowl winner are, are just incredible and I think uh, I think I've definitely have kind of reposted one of the ones that took place from your guys roof but that one where I mean people are just stretched out probably all the way down to Ford Avenue it did start that week before against Denver when we you know had that mile high miracle and everyone was just like amazed that we won and it was just like a natural instinct everyone just ran outside and started jumping up and down and then you know, so then the precedent had had been set for the Super Bowl, yeah. and 
people had made you know had made plans to go down to celebrate once yeah once we won so special time yeah well, i know that was a highlight but i know the last handful of years have been tough for uh baltimore businesses and especially the hospitality when you you know take the the unrest surrounding uh freddie gray and then you have kind of a, a rise in crime and some quality of life issues around the city and then you know it seemed like things were getting back on track and then you hit with this global pandemic so i know it's been a, a tough time for all of you restaurant tours and just just from afar I'm, I'm so impressed by the the hard work and the scrappiness of all the the business owners we've been lucky not to not to lose a ton of businesses so i guess just uh i, I guess as much as you want to say tell us what has the last nine months been like for for at least starting with your Federal Hill business and then maybe, you know, mention the the two other locations as well. Well, you know, I'm glad you brought up the, you know, the, the Freddie Gray, you know, riots and, you know, the crime situation that we were facing before all this, because it really has, you know, put a, a hurting on our industry. You know, the, the crime over the last couple of years has been difficult and it's really affected our convention business downtown, it affected people coming from, Howard County, Anne Arundel County, Baltimore County to come support the, the bars and restaurants. So it's 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 been difficult trying to break even and stay afloat during during those times leading up to the pandemic. You know, pe- people are scared. So hopefully the new mayor and a new administration they can kind of make people feel comfortable again. And you know, the the nine months is is you know the the pandemic, which I guess we're coming up on. 11 months or about to be 12 months, um, we shut down on March 16th when the governor kind of shut down interior dining for our industry. And I just knew that, you know, doing carry out and delivery was not going to make it for us. So we decided, and, you know, I was concerned about my safety. My family all works at Mother's, my mother's family and our, our team members, you know, concerned about their safety and you know, it was so new, we didn't really know what was going to happen. So we end up closing for six weeks at each location um, and just try to stay in touch with our, our key members. And we lost a lot of key management during that time and just said, you know, I don't want to come back into this industry. And um, and you're right, the, you know, the restaurant industry is some strong people. I've just been so impressed with, you know, our, our you know, industry and the different owners and the the uh, team members that run each location, they just, they're hard workers. They, you know, haven't really worried about their safety as much as just, you know, providing food and drink for, you know, the community. And so that's been real impressive to see, but it's been difficult. Obviously it's, it's a hard business anyway. Now we're working twice as hard and not making any money. So it's, it's been difficult. Um, you know, we are in three different city and counties, so we have different regulations for each location that are changing pretty often. So just staying on top of the different protocols that we have to do. You know, at one point, we weren't allowed open in the city um, for interior dining for, you know, for six weeks in January and beginning of February. We had a 25% capacity inside in our Arnold location. And the only reason we had that is because four restaurateurs decided to sue the county executive to say he doesn't have the right to close us down and won. Um, they tried that in the city and lost. So we were at 25% capacity in Arnold and at 50% capacity in Baltimore County. And it was, you know, it was helpful that we had county locations during the closing of the city because 
so many people were coming out from the city to to eat and drink in the county locations. So that was helpful to those those spots. Um, you know, we were it was tough. Most of the restaurants on Charles Streets were closed during that time, and I thought we'd be able to do enough business with carryout and delivery to uh, to you know to pay the bills, but we couldn't. I mean, we we were barely surviving. I you know I I cut back on team members' hours and and shifts, um, but I tried to keep as many people as I could working, so we stayed open, even though we weren't doing much business, and. Um, you know, it was, it was tough. Um, you know, we, we, we got our own delivery van and we made a you know pivot to do our own delivery because the third party apps take so much of our revenue that, um, we started to do our own delivery. So I got a vehicle cause a lot of my team members don't have cars. And so that, you know, was successful. And now all three of, of the county and city locations have limited the fees that the third party apps can charge us. So that's been helpful to, um, to stay afloat and pay our bills. Um, and, you know, I feel like we're in a good situation right now. I kind of feel like we're coming out and there's little, little light to the tunnel. Um, the, you know, business has kind of stabilized and we're able to do enough to break even. And, um, you know, looking at the future and spring and summer as hopefully more people are getting the vaccine and, you know, cases are continuing to trend downward. And, you know, I just saw yesterday we were less than a thousand positive cases and I hadn't seen that in a couple months. So, um, so I, you know, I'm feeling better about things and feeling like we're moving in the right direction and that we're going to be able to pull out of this staying in business and, and most of the other restaurants in Federal Hill will be able to make it through as well. Awesome. So being able to be open for the 25% indoor and the 50% outdoor, I'm sure you guys would like those numbers to be up a little bit in capacity. That's a lot more sustainable than being completely closed for dining like you were a few weeks ago. Yeah, it, it's amazing how much difference 25% makes. You know, not just the dining part of it. It just, it just makes people feel like safer that, okay, we can get come in and get carry out or you know, order delivery, you know, so just all the numbers have gone up, but being able to, to do some inside really is the difference between losing money and breaking even. So even at 25%, it's been a, a, a huge help to us. And obviously 50% will, will be even more, but um, you know, when, when you can't serve inside at all, people are just looking to go other places, even if they're not planning to dine inside. Sure. And I forgot to add, add to the list of things that haven't gone your way over the last five years. The Orioles have been pretty bad in recent years and the Ravens have turned it around here in the last three years. But there was a period of time where the Orioles stunk, the Ravens stunk. And obviously you had the, the other issues going on in the city. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure that makes a big difference for your business. And kind of the thought this year where if the Orioles or the Ravens made some kind of big playoff run, well, it'd be great. Part of me was thinking, can we wait for like a year when like we can actually enjoy it. So, I mean, how much, how much impact does uh, good Ravens, good Orioles uh, make on your business? Well, it's huge. Um, Ravens are eight business days all year long or 10 business days, you know? Um, so, so that's huge for us. Obviously having a playoff game that we couldn't open inside for was real weird and, and, you know, cost us a lot of revenue, but I, I feel fortunate, you know, a lot of restaurants aren't going to be able to make it through this and, 
You know, I feel fortunate that we are. So I, I try not to look at the money that we lost. I try to just look at the future and be appreciative that, you know, my family's healthy and that we're, we're going to be able to pull through this thing. Um, you know, Orioles, it's such a different dynamic than the Ravens because it's, it's, there's so many more games. Um, it's not, it doesn't have the intensity of football and the intense power drinking for 10 hours that football has, um, you know, but what it does do is, um, give us business every day, you know, and maybe it's only $500 a day, but if you do that for 80 days, it adds up and, you know, it just would bring in extra business before the game, extra business after the game, you know, the weekends, or if like Boston or the Yankees were in town, that would really help us. Um, you know, because the Orioles, you know, weren't playing that well. Um, and, you know, so it, when the Orioles were bad, it, it definitely has reduced the business that we're doing with them by about 50%. Um, we, we, you know, we're still doing something, but not near as much. But one thing that hasn't calmed down is like the opening day. Um, Orioles opening day is, has really changed. And I think maybe because they aren't that good, people didn't really care about going to the game. So over the last couple of years, no one went to the game. They just stayed and partied all day. And a lot of people take the day off. They start at 10 in the morning. And um, and so the Orioles opening day has really kind of become like a, a, a purple patio or a Ravens game with, you know, people drinking all day and just, you know, really getting after it. So those, you know, those days are huge for us. I'm wondering what's going to happen this April if we're going to be allowed to, to do anything. We did do some purple patios at the beginning of this Raven season where we were selling tables outside at a DJ had, you know, tents out there and TVs and just had everybody spread out. And so, you know, that was okay, but nothing like the, the real thing, you know, hopefully mid April, we're able to, I don't know, maybe increase our capacity and do a few more people and people will be excited to go to that game. But I'm really looking forward to next football season. I'm hoping we're out of this by next fall. I'm starting to see a lot of outdoor festivals get booked for the fall. Cats uh, Fest in New Orleans is booked for October. We do a uh, trifecta festival up at Timonium Fairgrounds every year, and so that's booked for late September, and that's a lot of fun. So I'm hoping by September we're kind of making our way out of this thing. I mean, it'll be like a year and a half by then. It's hard to believe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think there is a lot of optimism, as you said, with the combination of the the numbers going down and the, the vaccinations going up. And it seems like when when it's outdoor weather, the cases seem to go down as well, just as, you know, we're not, you know, huddled up indoors anymore. I'm sure these past, I guess, almost years been a, a lesson in efficiency and a lesson in evolving and, and getting creative. Have you learned anything during this period of time that's going to make you stronger going forward? No, I mean, we've been able to limit our staff. So we've cut down on the number of staff, which cuts down on our overhead. So, you know, that's a balance that you always, you know, are trying to meet between giving good service, but not being overstaffed. We've, you know, trimmed down our menu. A lot of things that don't carry well for delivery and carry out, we just took off our menu because, you know, we wanted to have our best items. Now we're in the process of bringing them back on. Doing our own delivery, that's something that I think is going to continue for the future and, and be able to not use third-party you know, apps as much. But we can really only deliver to Federal Hill. So anybody that wants to get food in Uptown or in Canton, you know, we still have to use the third-party apps because we, we don't have enough drivers to drive all the way back and forth from Canton on a busy Friday night. We've been doing family meals as well. 
that's been okay. I'm not sure if that's something we'll continue doing. We have also have been delivering alcohol, which hasn't been as big as you would think, but it, it definitely has helped supplement. We charge more than a liquor store, so you can really get the same thing for cheaper, but it's nice having it delivered or if it's Sunday and the liquor stores are closed, you know, it's something that, you know, we'll do some more business on. We also, we did like boozy snowballs last summer that were a big hit. And so we'll probably bring them back this summer and keep doing those because people seem to really like those. Yeah, we, we've been pivoting and, you know, trying to come up with new ideas and just, you know, looking at ways to, to stay efficient and keep overhead down. Obviously, the a new thing that's come to Federal Hills, these parklet dining spaces, or if you look at Cross Street, a portion of Cross Street was completely closed to vehicular traffic at times during the day for the outdoor dining. As, uh, and obviously, you're, you're a location that, that has some nice outdoor spaces already, but uh, how do you feel about the parklets and kind of the closing of Cross Street? Has that been a, a plus for the neighborhood, in your opinion? It, you know, it's it's a little difficult. I know... Um... Paul from McGurk's has felt like it's hurt his business and, and hurt their dispensary on the other side of Cross Street. You know, I think that we have such a difficult parking situation in Federal Hill that it needs to be used. I don't feel like, you know, the market that pushed for the closing of Cross Street and then they didn't really do anything outside. I think if you're going to use it and you're going to have people set up, that it makes sense. But it also, it's made it harder for parking. It's made it hard for deliveries to get to those locations. You know, I like outdoor dining. I mean, we're doing outdoor in the in the purple patio, and that's been successful. I think it just needs to be done the right way and, and doesn't make sense to shut down streets if nobody's really using it. I know just some of my staff has had trouble finding parking because of the lack of parking once they've shut down the streets and they're parking over on uh, like West Street and near Sharp Leadenhall and like it floods over there. So two of my staff members had their cars flooded and totaled from parking over there during a heavy rain. You know, it's all these trickle down effects that, you know, make it harder for staff to find parking or, you know, deliveries. You know, they they all park now in front of Mother's to deliver up, up Cross Street and you know, you got like five, you know, semi trucks out there, double parked, and and then Charles Street, you know, becomes real tight. Definitely some learning curves and some downsides to that, but you know, overall, yeah, I love sitting outside and would rather sit outside if I could. You know, it's just it's just a balance, and when you have so many different businesses in one area, some it affects negatively and some positively. Sure, and I saw you guys got a little bit more innovative with how you used your parking lot. Um, for adding dining out there. Do you see it, that as something you'll use in the future or do you think that'll return more to a, a parking lot? It, it kind of blends with the parking needs. Like in the summer, we're not as busy and we don't have as many parking needs as we do in the winter when we're busier. So I'd like to keep it open, you know, throughout the summers as, you know, some some more outdoor dining and then turn it back into full-time parking in the winter when we need it more. And I know live music is a passion of yours and something that has worked its way into Mothers. And certainly I know you've been involved in the some of the festivals like jazz and blues. So um, uh, are you hopeful live music will return sometime soon? Is that uh, something that's been successful in Federal Hill? Like you said, it's a passion of mine. You know, I, I own the 8x10 building. So, you know, I'm always, you know, supporting live music there. And that's like the mainstay. But when they're booked, we do... Some, some, you know, they get booked out two and three months in advance. So if somebody, you know, wants to, you know, book a show a month and a half out, then they're reaching out to us. Um, I'm thinking about doing some renovations in my back alley to make it more, um, 
accessible for live music and and have maybe a little uh, bigger area for people to be in front of the bands um because it's just it's fun and it's something that that happens earlier you know before the bar crowds come out so it can you know help our business and a lot of people eat first so especially when we do a new orleans act that maybe attracts 35 year olds plus we typically eat dinner first and have some drinks so it's a it's an affluent crowd it's great music that i'm you know i'm friends with a lot of the artists and uh be able to provide them a place and and also uh do some revenue that we wouldn't do otherwise it's it's been a win-win so i'm hoping to expand on that a little bit once we come out of this thing and i'm already got some artists reaching out to us and i'll also uh give you a little insight of something else cool that's going to be happening um last september we did a um edm uh concert over at mt stadium which was sort of like a drive-in concert where you know you had a stage and video screens but the music was piped through your radio so it wasn't super loud bass booming all throughout the neighborhoods so they the promoters you know hired us to sell food and beverage at that so they're planning on doing it next season or coming up in April. Uh, whenever the Orioles aren't playing, they're looking to do something over there. So it's going to be a drive-in. They're going to show movies. And then we're going to have concerts over there and and DJs and stuff. So it might be as many as 10 events a month um, throughout the whole spring, summer, and fall uh, over at M&T. And it'll just be something cool, cool to do outside that uh, will bring some people down. And, you know, we hope to – do some good revenue selling food and beverage up there. That's awesome. Yeah. One of the things I've done during the pandemic is taking the kids down to that M&T bank stadium parking lot, just to ride bikes and skateboards. And while I'm down there, it has me thinking, man, this is a big space. How can, how can the city, how, how can the neighborhood kind of utilize this better? You know, a lot that's empty most of the time. So that's encouraging to hear. There might be some, some more events down there. And, and you bring up a good point. I mean, so many of you restaurants, I'm sure have been hurt badly by the lack of catering opportunities now too. Another tough thing you guys have been dealt. Yeah. I mean, catering has been a huge part of our business um, with, you know, we have two private party rooms um, and we've been doing a lot of stuff at the museum of industry. We've been catering a lot of weddings. I know people think, might not think like mothers for a wedding, but if people want, you know, more of a casual wedding, but good food, uh, we've been doing really well, you know, over there with some big events and, and big weddings. And it's so close that we can make our food at Mother's and bring it down. And not many other restaurants that are on the catering list can do that. You know, our catering was really strong right before the pandemic. And we're start, still getting calls and, and emails about weddings and events coming up. I mean, as soon as the city allowed us to go back inside at 25%, we got about five emails from people wanting to have their birthday party. You know, they wanted to have open bar and 23-year-old birthday party with a packed house and a lot of people drinking. Well, we had to say we're not quite there yet. You, you would have to be seated. You're only allowed to stay for an hour at this point. It's, it's not going to be like it was for a little while, but it's encouraging. Like, people are pent up, especially like the younger generation in, in Federal Hill. They're, they're done with this. You know, when you're 23, 24, you feel invincible anyway. And not many young people have got, you know, knocked down for the count with this virus. I mean, my, my son got it. He's 27, and it barely even affected him. So they're kind of done with it. It's, it's been a little hard to keep them, you know, seated at their tables, keep their masks on, to follow all the par- protocols. 
And that's another thing that, that I didn't bring up when we were talking about how strong the uh, our team members and the other the other people in the industry have been. Not only trying to just you know keep efficient with good food and good service, we also have to become the social distancing police. Your people are wearing their mask and sitting at the table and only staying for an hour. And you know, a lot of times they want to really argue about it, like it's our you know it's our plan to to kick them out after an hour. And so uh, that's just made it harder on our managers that are working so hard and have a lot on their plate. They also have to manage the, all the, the protocols and get the customers to follow the rules. It, you know that's been a it's been a challenge. Let us know what what can. Our listeners, what can people in Federal Hill and Greater Baltimore do to support the restaurant community through this time until we get back to normal one and keep that going? Well, you know, Federal Hill has been pretty supportive. I think, you know, just moving forward, obviously getting delivery directly from the restaurants if they offer it, you know, that definitely helps them keep staff employed and pay the bills. Another good thing that's gone a long way is just positive reviews on social media. Everyone's quick to to throw negative something up there, but a lot of times, you know, they 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 have 20 great meals from a location and as soon as they have a bad one, they put that up there. But they don't really say anything about the 20 great meals, you know, and so positive reviews, you know, pats on the back, pictures. And it also, we take a lot of pride in this. This is our careers. This is what we do for a living. So we, we take a lot of, uh, it hurts when we get negative reviews and we, we try hard not to, but not everything, you know, is perfect, especially dealing with delivery. You know, we could have something finished for 10 minutes before the driver picks it up and it takes him 20 minutes to get to the, uh, to the customer's house. By then it's cold. That's kind of what happens with delivery. So calling and yelling at managers isn't really helpful. And so I think also just understanding that, you know, our team members are going through a lot and just being polite to them and, you know, making sure that you tip and, you know, everybody's, everybody's got a, a, you know, tough time throughout this, this thing. It's not just the restaurant industry. I mean, everybody's dealing with different stresses and health concerns and business and work and not taking it out on our staff and our our team members is another good thing that could just help us, you know, stay positive and, and work our way through this. Absolutely. Well, happy Lundi Gras, a term I learned talking to you uh, in our pre-show prep. Uh, how can how can people celebrate Mardi Gras with you guys? We have a uh, Mardi Gras menu at all three locations right now. We have all different types of New Orleans cuisine at each location. It's different. Uh, we always throw a Fat Tuesday party, so we'll be open tomorrow. We give out free cups of gumbo, so if you're in the neighborhood, if you buy anything, get a free cup of gumbo. We'll have beads and be playing New Orleans music and just try to keep that party vibe going despite the uh, the restrictions that we have. And, um, you know, so come out, have uh, have an abita, have some jambalaya, some gumbo, some king cake, and uh, wear some beads and celebrate a little bit. And hopefully we're out of this thing for next Mardi Gras. Well, Dave, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, let's hope we have a, a great Orioles season, a great Raven season. Let's hope that uh, COVID becomes in the rear view mirror and that uh, we can get back to the uh, the federal hill in South Baltimore that everybody loves. And uh, please, everybody take his advice and uh, support the restaurants and uh, be cool with the employees. And uh, let's let's get back to uh, what we all love. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on and I'm looking forward for this thing to be over and sunny days. Absolutely. This Week in South Baltimore, brought to you by SouthBmore.com.